I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today our reading will be Ezekiel chapters 28 through 31. Ezekiel chapter 28, we find a judgment against the king of Tyre. Beginning with verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Cause thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas, Yet thou art a man, and not God. Though thou set thy heart as the heart of God, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches, and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures. By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom, and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? But thou shalt be a man, and no God, in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, and the diamond the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy beauty from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes and upon the earth in the sight of all men that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. This chapter is a continuation of the prophecy against the city of Tyre, that began all the way back in Ezekiel chapter 26. There was a real city called Tyre just north of Israel with a real king fighting off the Babylonians like everyone else in the area. Tyre was a much coveted target of Babylon in that region. 
It was a magnificent city built in two distinct sections, part on an island one half mile off the mainland in the Mediterranean Sea, and the other part on the mainland. Portions of the walls surrounding the city were as high as 150 feet. According to Josephus, the siege on the Tyre of Babylon by, lasted for about 13 months until around 573 B.C. The result of this siege is not universally agreed upon. Some maintained that Nebuchadnezzar was successful and that the king of Tyre was permitted to stay, but only as a vassal of the king of the Babylonian Empire. Nebuchadnezzar himself, it is said, personally supervised the siege for the entire duration. Others have maintained that this particular campaign was not successful, but that a later one was. The wording of Ezekiel chapter 29 verse 18 seems to indicate that Nebuchadnezzar defeated Tyre, but that the spoils of battle were less than expected, a disappointing end to a very long siege. The problem with this chapter is that verses 11 through 19 sound, well, like Ezekiel might be talking about Satan. Hello, Satan. Are you in there? The big difficulty with that notion is that he's definitely prophesying about the king of Tyre, a real city with a real king. One possibility may be that Ezekiel is likening the king of Tyre to Satan in the garden with his pride, successes, riches, so forth. Satan simply cannot be found in this entire prophecy against Tyre and its king. However, verses 13 through 16, if taken literally and not figuratively, could not be a description, per se, of a human being. So, it is understandable that some have conjectured that Ezekiel may very well be describing Satan himself, comparing those superiority attitudes of Satan leading up to his fall from God's favor to those of the king of Tyre leading up to the fall of his literal kingdom on earth. On the other hand, as several commentators have pointed out, the language of verses 13 to 16 could have been meaningful Colorful figures of speech used in that day to describe that level of lavishness. Well, the bottom line is this. At the end of the discussion, I just don't feel comfortable myself concluding that Satan or a doctrine of Satan is included in this prophecy by Ezekiel. Maybe, but I just don't feel comfortable stating it that way. Beginning with verse 20, we have a judgment against Sidon. Verse 20, again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Zidon, and prophesy against it, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Zidon, and will be glorified in the midst of thee, and they shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall have executed judgments in her, and shall be sanctified in her. For I will send into her pestilence, and blood into her streets, and the wounded shall be judged in the midst of her by the sword upon every side, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Well, we see in this passage, just these four verses, that the prophet turns to Tyre's trading partner, Sidon, sometimes pronounced Zidon, which was just 20 miles up the coast. And it's a prophecy in these four verses concerning the demise of Sidon. We see a return of Israel to its homeland, beginning with verse 24 of chapter 28. And there shall be no more pricking briar unto the house of Israel, nor any grievous thorn of all that are round about them, that despise them, and they shall know that I am the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God, when I shall have gathered the people of the house of Israel from the people among whom they are scattered, and shall be sanctified in them in the sight of the heathen, 
Then shall they dwell in their land that I have given to my servant Jacob. And they shall dwell safely therein, and shall build houses and plant vineyards. Yea, they shall dwell with confidence. And I have executed judgments upon all those that despise them round about them, and they shall know that I am the Lord their God. We see in verse 24 that the nations surrounding Israel will no longer have a basis for joy over Israel's demise, inasmuch as they will have fallen to the Babylonians as well. Finally, in verses 25 to 26, we see that these verses make reference to the return of Israel to their homeland. It's difficult to put this prophecy of the return to the land into an absolute context. Here's the issue. Does this prophecy point to the return to the land under Cyrus, the return which began in 535 B.C., or is it a reference to the yet future millennium? The judgment mentioned here could be a reference to the fall of Tyre, Sidon, and the other surrounding nations at the hand of the Babylonians, rather than the judgment of Christ at the second coming. Actually, there's just really no way to know which of the two possible periods of time are referenced here. Then we have a prophecy against Egypt, beginning in Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 1. In the tenth year, in the tenth month, and the twelfth day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and prophesy against him and against all Egypt. Speak and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Pharaoh, king of Egypt, the great dragon that lieth in the midst of his rivers, which hath said, My river is mine own, and I have made it for myself. But I will put hooks in thy jaws, and I will cause the fish of thy rivers to stick to thy scales, and I will bring thee up out of the midst of thy rivers, and all the fish of the rivers shall stick unto thy scales. And I will leave thee thrown into the wilderness, thee and all the fish of the rivers. Thou shalt fall upon the open fields, thou shalt not be brought together nor gathered. I have given thee for me to the beast of the field and to the fowls of the heaven. And all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord, because they have been a staff of reed to the house of Israel. When they took hold of thee by thy hand, thou didst break and rend all their shoulder. And when they leaned upon thee, thou breakest and makest all their loins to be at a stand. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring a sword upon thee, and cut off man and beast out of thee. And the land of Egypt shall be desolate and waste. And they shall know that I am the Lord, because he hath said, The river is mine, and I have made it. Behold, therefore, I am against thee, and against thy rivers, and I will make the land of Egypt utterly waste and desolate, from the tower of Syene into the borders of Ethiopia. No foot of man shall pass through it, nor foot of beast shall pass through it. Neither shall it be inhabited forty years. And I will make the land of Egypt desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate, and her cities among the cities that are laid waste shall be desolate forty years. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations, and will disperse them through the countries. Yet thus saith the Lord God, At the end of forty years I will gather the Egyptians from the people whither they were scattered, and I will bring again the captivity of Egypt, and will cause them to return into the land of Pathros, unto the land of their habitation, and they shall be there a base kingdom. And it shall be the basest of kingdoms." Neither shall it exalt itself any more above the nations. For I will diminish them, that they shall be no more rule over the nations. And it shall be no more the confidence of the house of Israel, which bringeth their iniquity to remembrance, when they shall look after them, but they shall know 
that I am the Lord God. This particular oracle against Egypt was given in January of 587 B.C., according to the data that we see in verse 1. Now, according to the fall of the uh, Egypt to the Babylonian Empire, according to the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it says that since Nebuchadnezzar died in 562 B.C., this predicted desolation of Egypt by Nebuchadnezzar's army would have had to have occurred before then. A fragmentary Babylonian text from the Chronicles of the Chaldean King implies that Babylonia invaded Egypt about 568 or 567 B.C. This is corroborated by Josephus. So we see that with Egypt falling to the Babylonians around 568 B.C., that would put their return to the land at around 528 B.C., given the 40 years of verses 11 through 13. No Egyptian records exist to confirm when they were able to actually return to their land. It is significant to note that Ezekiel prophesied that Egypt would never be a world power again, as they had been in the past, and that their kingdom would be a base or a humble kingdom. Then we have in chapter 29, beginning with verse 17, all the way down to chapter 30, verse 19, we have another prophecy against Egypt. Verse 17. And it came to pass in the seven and twentieth year, in the first month, and the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, caused his army to serve a great service against Tyrus. Every head was made bald, and every shoulder was peeled. Yet had he no wages, nor his army, for Tyrus, for the service that he had served against it. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will give the land of Egypt unto Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and he shall take her multitude, and take her spoil, and take her prey, and it shall be the wages for his army. I have given him the land of Egypt for his labor, wherewith he served against it, because they wrought for me, saith the Lord God. In that day will I cause the horn of the house of Israel to bud forth, and I will give thee the opening of the mouth in the midst of them, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Chapter 30, verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Howl ye, woe worth the day. For the day is near, even the day of the Lord is near. A cloudy day, it shall be a time of the heathen. And the sword shall come upon Egypt, and great pain shall be in Ethiopia. And the slain shall fall in Egypt, and they shall take away her multitude, and her foundation shall be broken down. Ethiopia and Libya and Lydia and all the mingled people and Cub and the men of the land that is in the league shall fall with them by the sword. Thus saith the Lord, they also that uphold Egypt shall fall, and the pride of her power shall come down from the tower of Syene. They shall fall in it by the sword, saith the Lord God. And they shall be desolate in the midst of the countries that are desolate, and her cities shall be in the midst of the cities that are wasted. And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I have set a fire in Egypt, when all her helpers shall be destroyed. And that day shall messengers go forth from me in ships to make careless Ethiopians afraid, and great pain shall come upon them, as in the day of Egypt, for lo, it cometh. Thus saith the Lord God, I will also make the multitude of Egypt to cease by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. He and his people with him, the terrible of the nations, shall be brought to destroy the land, that they shall draw their swords against Egypt and fill the land with the slain. And I will make the rivers dry and sell the land into the hand of the wicked, 
and I will make the land waste and all that is therein by the hand of the strangers. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Thus saith the Lord God, I will also destroy the idols, and I will cause their images to cease out of Noph. And there shall be no more a prince of the land of Egypt, and I will put a fear in the land of Egypt. And I will make Pathros desolate, and I will set fire in Zone, and will execute judgments in Noph. And I will pour out my fury upon sin in the strength of Egypt, and I will cut off the multitude of Noph. And I will set fire in Egypt. Sin shall have great pain. And Noph shall be rent asunder, and Noph shall have distresses daily. The young men of Avon and Pipiseth shall fall by the sword, and these cities shall go into captivity. At Tahophanes also the day shall be darkened, when I shall break there the yokes of Egypt, and the pomp of her strength shall cease in her. As for her, a cloud shall cover her, and her daughters shall go into captivity. Thus will I execute judgments in Egypt, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 17 gives us a time stamp of April 571 B.C. This was about two years after the siege of Tyre was completed. Verses 18 and 19 seem to indicate that Nebuchadnezzar didn't take enough booty from Tyre to adequately pay his troops. What happened to the riches of Tyre? Could it be that the mention of Tyre and Egypt together here indicates that Tyre was able to ship off their riches to Egypt before their demise? Well, possibly, whatever this prophecy turns on Egypt, in verse 20, indicates Egypt's fall to Babylon. Verse 21 is kind of curious. What does it mean when it says, In that day will I cause the horn of the house of Israel to bud forth, and will give thee the opening of the mouth in the midst of them, and they shall know that I am the Lord? Well, it's definitely not messianic, and Israel did not return to the land until 535 B.C., However, the defeat of Egypt would have been a great encouragement to the exiles as they witnessed the prophecy of 587 B.C. taking place. We actually saw that in Ezekiel chapter 29, verses 1 through 16. Well, this prophecy by Ezekiel is coming to fruition. It was a vindication of God's prophecies concerning Egypt and Israel. Into chapter 30, we see that Egypt will fall despite the assistance of its allies. Babylon will be on a roll. Verse 13 declares, There shall be no more a prince of the land of Egypt. Egypt's demise will be a devastating and thorough occurrence according to the stipulations of the prophecy of this chapter. Then we're not done. In chapter 30, beginning verse 20, we have another date and another prophecy and this prophecy also is against Egypt. Chapter 30, verse 20. And it came to pass in the eleventh year, in the first month, and the seventh day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have broken the arm of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and lo, it shall not be bound up to be healed, to put a roller to bind it, to make it strong to hold the sword. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and will break his arms, strong and that which was broken and I will cause the sword to fall out of his hand and I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations and will disperse them through the countries and I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and put my sword in his hand but I will break Pharaoh's arms and he shall groan before him with the groanings of a deadly wounded man but I will strengthen the arms of the king of Babylon and the arms of Pharaoh shall fall down 
And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall put my sword into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall stretch it out upon the land of Egypt. And I will scatter the Egyptians among the nations, and disperse them among the countries, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Just so there's no mistake here, we've got yet another prophecy given by Ezekiel on a different date, April of 587 B.C., and that's just a few months after the one that was that we saw in chapter 29. It's also concerning Egypt. Compare chapter 29, verse 1 to chapter 30, verse 20, and you'll see that it's two different dates. No improvement in their prospects are seen here. Egypt is still going to fall. It is interesting that the prophecy of Ezekiel chapter 29, verse 17 to Ezekiel 30, verse 19 was given much later, but it is included in between the other two. The deportation exile of Egyptians is clearly prophesied after their fall. This technique, of course, was used by the Babylonians as well as the Assyrians before them to destroy national pride by mixing different nationalities within the regions that had been captured. Now we come to our last chapter, Ezekiel chapter 31, where Egypt is compared to Assyria. Verse 1, And it came to pass in the eleventh year in the third month, and the first day of the month, that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak unto the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and to his multitude, whom art thou like in thy greatness. Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon, and fair branches, and with a shadowing shroud, and in high stature, and his top was among the thick boughs. The waters made him great, the deep set him up high, with her rivers running round about his plants, and sent out her little rivers unto all the trees of the field. Therefore his height was exalted above all the trees of the field, and his boughs were multiplied, and his branches became long because of the multitude of waters when he shot forth. All the fowls of heaven made their nest in his boughs, and under his branches did all the beasts of the field bring forth their young, and under his shadow dwelt all great nations. Thus was he fair in his greatness and the length of his branches, for his root was by great waters. The cedars in the garden of God could not hide him. The fir trees were not like his boughs, and the chestnut trees were not like his branches, nor any tree in the garden of God was likened to him in his beauty. I have made him fair by the multitude of his branches, so that all the trees of Eden that were in the garden of God envied him. Therefore thus saith the Lord God, Because thou hast lifted up thyself in height, and hast shot up his top among the thick boughs, and his heart is lifted up in his height, I have therefore delivered him into the hand of the mighty one of the heathen. He shall surely deal with him. I have driven him out for his wickedness. And strangers, the terrible of the nations, have cut him off, and have left him upon the mountains, and in all the valleys his branches are fallen." and his bowels are broken by all the rivers of the land, and all the people of the earth are gone down from his shadow, and have left him. Upon his ruin shall all the fowls of heaven remain, and all the fields of the beast shall be upon his branches, to the end that none of all the trees by the waters exalt themselves for their height, neither shoot up their top among the thick boughs, neither their trees stand in the height all that drink water, for they are all delivered unto death to the nether parts of the earth and in the midst of the children of men with them that go down to the pit. 
Thus saith the Lord God, in the day when he went down to the grave, I caused a mourning. I covered the deep for him, and I refrained the floods thereof. And the great waters were stayed, and I caused Lebanon to mourn for him. And all the trees of the field fainted for him. I made the nations to shake at the sound of his fall, when I cast him down to hell with them that descend into the pit. And all the trees of Eden, the choice and best of Lebanon, all the drink water shall be comforted in the nether parts of the earth. They also went down into hell with him, and to them that be slain with the sword, and they that were his arm, that dwelt under his shadow in the midst of the heathen. To whom art thou thus like in glory, and in greatness among the trees of Eden? Yet shall thou be brought down with the trees of Eden into the nether parts of the earth. Thou shalt lie in the midst of the uncircumcised with them that be slain by the sword. This is Pharaoh and all his multitudes, saith the Lord God. This prophecy was issued in June 587 B.C., just a couple of months after the prophecy beginning in chapter 30, verse 20. Ezekiel gives another prophecy here concerning Egypt. The Assyrians, in verse 3, are compared to the tall, strong trees of Lebanon. But yet, they fell to the Babylonians as well. If an empire as great as the Assyrians could fall to Babylon... Why would Egypt think that they are in any way immune? Nineveh, the seat of the Assyrian Empire, fell to the Babylonians in 609 B.C. This followed the fall of Assyrians' hold as an empire 17 years earlier, and that fall began in 626 B.C. So here's the storyline to this chapter. So also will the Egyptians fall, and the Pharaoh will be slain. And that's seen in verses 17 and 18. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.